it's not official until somebody says, "Hey, welcome to episode forty-one of More Than Just Code podcast." You know, but you just uh, said but it. But lately, I, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Okay. Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode forty-one of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host in Whitby, Ontario, Aaron Vay. Hi there. And I'm also joined by Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Ribbon down in Los Angeles, hey, California. Everybody. We have a couple of follow-up items to go through real quickly. Um, one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, was uh, Robin Senior of the of the Score here in Toronto did a talk on um, optimizing for WatchKit uh, through his experience building the Score app. Okay. Um, so we talked about his uh, taco presentation last week, and the taco presentation itself had been the week before, as I recall. Am I looking at the calendar right? Because it's uh, it would have been on the 11th, so it's uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Robin Senior went through the um, his his methods, his techniques for improving performance of WatchKit apps, um, basically simplifying. It's all the things that we've talked about, um, trying to cut down on communication between phone and watch. And mm-hmm. he's prepared a blog post to summarize his talk, and so that's what this is. Basic follow up. Um, anybody who's interested in this topic and who wasn't at the taco meeting uh, could get the stuff from this post. Yeah, I mean, the gist of what I gathered from it, he was talking about in, in standard model view controller kind of workflows doesn't really work with the watch. So he, he came up with a way of doing a view, mod, a view model that he would basically use to update the device. I mean, the problem being that assets on aren't don't live on the device they're actually sent from the extension on the on, in the watch app part that lives on the phone and that causes some slowdown with doing updates in, in the case of the score app you know he's talking about um, sports uh, scores as they as they update live and uh, you know the challenge of updating that information in a sort of live context and giving people the kind of information that they want to get in a timely manner on the watch was a challenge for them at, at, uh, at the beginning so that was so you can check check out his in detail on that one. This week, um, uh, the Ray Wonderlic website came out with a research kit tutorial, which I went through. It like it takes probably thirty minutes, forty minutes to go through the whole thing, and it's very insightful. Lots of uh, information on on um, building a, a research kit. It's it's sort of an intermediate level uh, uh, tutorial. It's very good. It's actually very it, like you know because it answers a lot of questions that we all have about research kit. There's it's amazing. There's a lot of UI already built into research kit, like the whole sign off stuff and getting permission from the user. Okay. It's very it's very very good uh, good coverage of the of the subject. Oh, I like that they uh, fix this DNS bug. I get this all the time. I think uh, we're all kind of excited. I think everybody, when I think this came out yesterday about the fact that uh, the latest beta of the of um, Yosemite Yosemite um, has removed Discovery D. So, and Aaron, you posted this article. So, why don't you go crazy on that? Yeah, one? very exciting. We're all happy to learn that MDNS Responder, which is the system that was used in every previous version of OS X up to Yosemite, has been reinstated uh, in the next beta, 10.10.4. So that was released to developers yesterday, and so we should expect to see it, ah, who knows when, (laughs) hopefully before Um, Mm dub-dub. So we should uh, get that beta. And when we do, I am really looking forward to just trying all the things that haven't worked reliably since Yosemite landed on all the computers in my house. 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like uh, AirDrop and logging into my wife's computer using file sharing. Uh, even seeing my media center computer, uh, my Mac Mini in the TV room, uh, none of that crap works. And so I'm really looking forward to installing 10.10.4 once it comes available, restarting all my computers, and boom, everything just works. Um, mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that um, there's apparently like no – let me let me back up. It seemed that Discovery D existed because of – sort of the new world of communication between Mac and iOS devices and the watch, of course. Um, But all that stuff still works with the original MDNS responder, which um, some people had hacked their Yosemite Macs to run. Oh, really? Yeah. um, I I wouldn't recommend doing that because it it touches, you know, deep system files, and I wouldn't mess with that. But people had done it, and it was fine. And indeed, the MDNS responder that's in this current or in this this beta is the same one that was in previous versions of OS X. It it, it really is just a, a a grab and patch sort of situation. So hmm. what what was even the point of Discovery D? I don't even know. So this is great. Now remember too that the. Uh, the big fuss about Discovery D was brought to our attention by Craig Hockenberry. We talked about that article last week. I've added a link in the show notes to a post by Daniel Jalkut, uh, one of our greatest indie developers, who has a screenshot of the release notes for that beta. And focus areas, it says, at Chalkenberry's fleshy palm, hmm. which is a reference to Craig Hockenberry and his fleshy I, I guess you don't know that one so no nope, yeah sorry. Craig Hockenberry often refers to his fleshy palm and so that's that's a joke from the Apple engineers they get it they they've heard him and that is why MDNS responder is in this beta cool we're all very happy about that so it's kind of interesting that that this is possible to do so it's one kind of a testament that you know this is a modular enough system that you could replace you know the discovery d back with the uh its predecessor it's unix um, yeah i mean that's that's real nice that it i mean that it functions well so i think you know i don't know enough about like what precisely does discovery d do and why would you replace mdns responder maybe there's things related to um you know this networking could be you know better battery life for how it handles you know things fit more efficiently than uh, mdns responder does or maybe it's intended to be uh, better handshaking, you know, for quicker startup times, that sort of thing. Switching networks. Um, I'm sure there was a reason for Discovery D. Well, one of the uh, it's, it's unfortunate it didn't. One work of out. the commenters on this article is saying that uh, Discovery D was written in C++, while MDNS Responder was, was written in C, so it was was pretty old. Mm. Um, so maybe it was just an attempt to move to a more modern, faster, uh, better system that didn't work. So can I ask it? Can I ask a dumb question for some of our, our newer listeners? What is what is the difference between C plus plus and C? I know in terms of I know that one com- one comes from the other, but is is C plus plus like Objective Objective C two point kind of no no so so or? C plus plus and Objective C are two sort of parallel but different uh, versions of of an object oriented language built on top of Core C. So mm-hmm. the reason they're different is that just two development groups started them at, in the early days, and, and C++ was picked up by a certain group of people, and Objective-C was picked up by eventually by you know, Next Step and, and Apple. 
uh, and right. uh, just kind of just we're, we're completely parallel paths. But both are supported in, in compilers like GCC uh, or, or the new one, uh, or Clang, right? So LLVM. LLVM, that's the one, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so they're just, they're two different languages that happen to come from a common root, which is C. And but are, mm-hmm. are kind of uh, similar in, in purpose. They're both an object-oriented version of C. Sure, right, and and so those can be used in Swift and Objective C on the on the iOS and Mac side, right? Uh, yes, because the compiler understands both languages, uh, and the tools uh, Xcode is smart enough to know that that one set of code is is C plus plus code and another set of code is is Objective C code, and it knows right, how to patch right. them together. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of release notes, another uh, wonderful episode of the Release Notes podcast was was let out this week um, with, uh, and it was a, the second part of an interview with Michael Simmons, who is um, I've forgotten the name of his company, Flexibits, I think it is. That's behind Fantastical Two, and he was talking more about um, how it, sort of his way of, of of basically making money selling apps to people in in you know, and talks a lot about the Mac App Store. And and it's some of its failings and and how he's been successful with with um, uh, his apps. What the, 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 the beginning of the podcast, like five minutes in or so, he tells a wonderful story about a, a guy who sent him a, a complaint about the fact that he was charging so much money for his app and you know it, the exchange between uh, himself and and this person um, complaining uh, goes on for a little bit and, and it's quite interesting. But at the end of the show, he starts. Starts talking about some of the, some of the things he doesn't like about our industry in terms that in terms of how we, our perspective on the industry and how we look at it, and um, he challenges uh, developers to rather than looking at what's wrong with the Apple ecosystem to you know to celebrate the fact that we actually have one and um, and to look at ways to make things better rather than than uh, complaining. Part of, part of the his reason for saying that was that. By talking about the things that drag us down daily, we end up dragging the whole the whole industry down and in, in making a sort of a negative spin on it. You know, when it's actually a fun thing to do. I mean, we wouldn't have this podcast, and the four of us wouldn't be doing this for a living if we didn't enjoy it, right? So that was, that was a pretty good. Also, because he talked about the fact that you know you're not going to be <laughs> rolling in the ducats if mm. uh, having a money bin that you can swim into if you're selling a four ninety nine app. I mean, this is really yeah. hard, right? You know. Even yeah. if there weren't some of the race to the bottom kind of issues in terms of pricing, um, it's not as if it was the old days where, you know, an application as we called or program as we called them back then would have been fifty dollars mm-hmm. at minimum, unless it was yeah. a bargain bin at Walmart. People really should go listen to that episode. Though. And I've added it's the about link. 30, 45 minutes, perhaps. So it's not too long. Um, <clears throat> Aaron, you posted something here about uh, a, a Quebec man being ticketed. For using his watch in his car. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is a follow-up. I guess this is topic number one. Oh, it's okay. Sure. Topic <laughs> um, number one. Uh, unless you know you want to call it Apple Watch follow-up. Um, no, it's an interesting story. It's yes. an interesting story. Okay. Let's have that. Well, I don't know if this is the case in um, any of our given listeners' jurisdictions, but in many in Canada, in Ontario, and in Quebec, apparently, uh, it is illegal to drive while using a handheld device. They this this legislation was drafted with uh, smartphones in mind, obviously, uh, owing to a lot of accidents with people using uh, iPhones and Android phones, etc. Um, now, when the watch came out, it 
I, I recall saying that I found the Apple Watch to be a, an excellent car computer uh, because I could keep my hand on the wheel and talk to Siri uh, to reply to voice messages or even to use the phone, uh, voice messages, uh, text messages. Um, but I wondered if it was going to be considered a legal use of a not a handheld device, but a, a hand-worn device. <laughs> so um, this article uh, suggests a possible answer, at least in the province of Quebec, as a man was uh, fined $120, Canadian, so it's like nothing to Americans, um, <laughs> for using That's his watch uh, while driving. Yeah. yeah. So he and actually included four points, too. Oof, wow, which really? Is, ah, that's actually really stiff. I'd rather pay the 120. Um, Are Canadian points equivalent to U.S. points? Because four points would be a lot of points down here. That is a lot of points, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not major. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is a big deal. Um, so, yeah, just looking at this article, links in the show notes. Um, so it was uh, sounded like he was in the Montreal area. And it was by the Charité de Quebec, uh, so the mm-hmm. provincial police. Uh, mm-hmm. So not uh, not in a city. Um, so yeah, and so it was an interpretation of uh, part of the Quebec Highway Safety Code uh, that prohibits handheld devices. There you go. Yeah, it's kind of. I wonder what was he doing? Like, was he reaching for the digital crown, or was he just wearing it on his wrist and, and glanced at it? You know, as a as a message came up. You know, you kind of wonder. Did they give any detail in the in the story? Nothing, eh? Uh, yeah, it's uh, here. I'm just sort of reading it through here. Um, he has the phone in his bag charging uh yeah. so i was changing songs with my hand on the steering wheel oh. Oh. Tsk, tsk. so you can Should imagine he had one hand like his his left hand i guess gripping the steering wheel and his right yeah. hand tapping the phone or sorry yeah. here we go again <laughs> tapping yeah. the watch face to uh to use the remote app and uh, a really razor-eyed cop spotting him and pulling him well, over. Well, clearly he should have been using, you know, Hey Siri. Right. Can you use Can you use Siri to control the now playing? I, you know, I don't know. I've actually I've actually asked Siri to open some of the Apple Apple apps this week just as a as yeah. a test, and and it does does like you know if I I go up, like I said I was complaining about the fact that I walk my dog every day and I always forget to turn on the the thing, but I was using Hey Siri today to turn on the workout app and start a new a new outdoor walk. Yeah. And that worked. Okay. So. We should ask Fuad. Hey, Siri, well, <laughs> uh, can you stop this podcast? <laughs> Let us know, okay? Thanks. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, Siri, can you remind Fuad to turn off Hey, Siri? Yes. I think he actually did do that. He wrote back to he us. He says he did. Yes. He says he did. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, I use, um, I use the watch to do to use Siri to say, you know, pause audio, resume audio, and it works pretty well if, oh, really? um, if, if it's been playing audio from, like, the music player or overcast right mm. i Anything have noticed that's that controlled that those audio. follow to memory it will get confused and say i don't know what that is would you like to use handoff like oh no <laughs> yeah. come on man <laughs> do not want to use handoff ever <laughs> i used it once actually with the watch believe it or not well i've used it more than once it's just uh it feels so like klutzy um, it's in, it seems like an incomplete solution to, well, to yeah. something that hasn't probably been thought out, right? Yeah. I, I like to think of, of the handoff as uh, as a dead end on a road that hasn't been built yet. That um, over time that they will uh, add on to that road uh, to, yeah. to stretch this metaphor way too far. So, yeah. But things like um, you know asking questions that require something from a website, you know? Yeah. Um, because you know what this watch reminds me of in a lot of ways is like a WAP browser from the '90s. Yeah. Um, 
And if, if there were some tr translation layer that could convert web pages into text that you could scroll through on your watch, mm -hmm. um, you know, to truncate or, or um, what's the word, pricey uh, text content and put it on your watch. I think that would be pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, it, well, in a perfect world, you could say, you know, read me that text message and, and have it read it. I mean, all, clearly the message here from, from this man getting this ticket is don't be caught fondling <laughs> your watch, right? You know, yeah, but even so. things like, uh, you know, you're, you want information about something like uh, that would come from Wikipedia, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, tell me about uh, the Toronto Argos football team. I don't know why I would say that. But anyway, um, and then it would it would just pull. Hi, Steve. Yeah, it would just pull the text from that that article on Wikipedia and yeah. and stream it down into your watch. Yeah. You know, similar to how Apple, you know, Siri has partnerships with um, Wolfram Alpha. Right. Um, I don't be believe they have a similar partnership with Wikipedia. Am I right or? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one actually. But you know, like the the point stands is that you know, if they could take um, websites and just like you know what Instapaper does, pulling text out of those sites, mm -hmm. and then uh, streaming just the plain text onto your phone screen, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, well, even if it could, even if it could read you like one or two results from a search or something like that, just so you you have an idea and you could say, yeah, you know, re remind me to to look at this when I get back to the office, you know, or or you'd want to say to to Siri like, you know, can you can you set up directions to uh, like, because I know I know one of the first things I did was I asked is I looked at the the watch or the map app on my watch and it showed me how many minutes it was to get home from where I was as I was at a movie theater or something like that, and uh, you'd think you could say to, to Siri, you know, give me directions to go home and then have it open the, the map app on your phone so, or, so you don't have to actually reach for the phone to do that, you know, kind of thing, right? Well, you can do that right on the watch, right? That's what I'm asking. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you can say, you can give me directions to start a, start a uh, what do you call that um, GPS mode that they have? Um, Workout? Uh, dire you know, the direction thing, the step-by-step -step directions, yeah, or whatever that, they call it? Yeah, you do that on your, you can do that on your watch. Really? Okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, so there's no reason... Unless it doesn't understand the Quebecois accent, then maybe that's the problem. Your Quebec accent? No, my Quebec Quebecois accent is pretty pretty good, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's just move on. Let's just... No, no. So, how, how about America? Yeah. <laughs> America! <laughs> Another thing that came out today, which kind of leads, to, leads into the conversation, perhaps, about WWDC, but more exciting, I think, for people interested in developing for the watch is that um, Jeff Williams was being interviewed at Recode Recode was it Recode by was being I know was being interviewed by Walt Mossberg um, about things and life in general and I guess and so in the conversation it came out that uh, there will in fact be or there may in fact be a uh, native app watch kit SDK at WWDC. Well, you're really hedging there, but there, I don't think there's any may about it. It's yeah. It's it's for sure, man. Here, quote, Apple will release a preview of the native watch SDK at WWDC. Mm -hmm. The SDK will a give preview. sensor access, digital crown access, more independent games. It will come out of preview in the fall, much like iOS updates. Mm -hmm. I'm quoting there from the, the nine to five max summary link in the show notes. Right. So that's, there's no may about it. This is happening, baby. <laughs> it's, it's just happening. You, you better, you better gird your loins. That's all I got to say <laughs> because it's coming all and right. it's coming for you. So it's all worth right. pointing out that the WWDC app was updated um, 
in many different ways. But the most interesting one is where you can look to see the filters and you have the lovely OS 10, iOS, and watchOS. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm sorry, where was this? In, um, in the, in the, the WWDC, WWDC app. app that just came out today. Oh, yes, yes, right. Yeah, if right. you go into filter, it'll let you filter you know, by the kinds of events, which is sessions and labs, um, the different tracks. But the most interesting one right now is the platforms filter, which is OS 10, iOS, and watchOS. Right, right. I was just I was looking at it earlier today, and I, just, I was just amazed at how long you can keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling oh, yeah, and scrolling. Yeah, it's a busy calendar, man. Yeah. Do you see also that the videos, I'm not sure if this is new or not to the WWDC app, but they go back to 2011 now. Was that always the case? In the app? In the app, yeah. Like if you go, if you open the app and then go to the yeah. videos tab, yeah. yep. you can see the um, <laughs> the list uh, and you type, you hit the filter yeah, and you can see that the videos go back to 2011. Um, right. And I'm not sure that they always did. Hmm go back that far so like this this app is becoming a terrific resource um yeah you know like i don't know why you'd ever delete it and you know um <laughs> let me ask you this like did you guys ever download the wwc videos so that you have all of them on your on your computer not um, all of them but many I've, of them. I've been, yeah they're they're whenever wdc ends and the videos become available there's always someone who posts on github a little script that will pull all the videos down and all the PDFs. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. And it's, um, yeah, I've been doing it for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's about uh, 100 gigabytes of data, <laughs> something ridiculous like that. Um, but I kind of wonder why I'm doing it, uh, especially when this app is here. But uh, there it is. I've, I'm a hoarder, I guess, when it comes to cool video files. Well, do you know what? It's 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 it's, it's good that you do that because I, I I tend to hoard uh, zips and stuff like that because you never know you know as time marches forward you you might want to go back and re refer to something in the past. But 100 gigabytes. I was actually just telling Mark before the show that I've been struggling with. I was talking about last week's uh, snafu on my computer about running out of disk space. I can't imagine yeah, right. what I would do with 100 gigabytes of stuff on my computer. I have a server downstairs which I could put it onto, but you know, again, you know. So, looking at the WDC app, should we should we guess what some of these uh, cute names mean? <laughs> like, you'll be talking about oh this God. one. Could this be about the Siri API? No, God, no! Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's about time. Oh, sounds man. like it's probably about the watch. I would guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what so else Hold your horses. What these the are hell? hilarious. Yeah. Pins and needles. Yeah. Patience is a virtue. Oh no, we mm. didn't. So Jaws great. Would drop. Shh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Somebody's having Such, a good yeah. time down there. Such a name redacted. Huh. That's follow up from last week. Ready, hmm. set, surprise. Um, what else do we think is going to happen at WWDC? Well, we're speculating now, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, why not? It's it's around the corner, so we're definitely thinking about it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think we talked about this before, but I've got big hopes for a new Apple TV API. I'm gonna say we were, we were we were talking about that today. The fact that that uh, I think there's there definitely is going to be something coming with the TV because, you know, why would they have a, a starting at price for the current um, which model? they just discounted and yeah, you know exactly. we've we've heard we've heard rumors all signs now. point to new hardware. Whenever you get something, Apple doesn't drop prices very often, and when they do, it usually means there's something something to usurp it coming out soon. You know, absolutely, yeah. As they try to clear the stock of the of store shelves, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know. Well, I, I, I'm not um, too exercised about the hardware, um, but I'm definitely excited about a, a software update that would provide that API and a new app store. Uh, because obviously for me, uh, for Magpie, it would be a really amazing uh, new market. Mm. And I haven't even started with one market yet. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, still really cool. Um, and in terms of uh, other hardware, do we think that there might be any hardware announcements at DubDub? Because we've just had the new MacBook come out. We had the uh, the MacBook Pros announced. They were just updated. There have been rumors um, of an early release of the new iPhone. Uh, yeah, coming remember that? Again in yeah, August. we did hear that. Yep. Hmm. That would be surprising, man. Yeah. Oh, and, and have you Another heard, have you heard this other rumor that uh, iOS nine is is going to continue to be available on older devices, and they're and they're sort of optimizing things to run on older devices like the 4s. Yeah, I really? Did hear that. Wow. Yeah. I'm actually. I think that's. Fantastic. I'm actually not so happy about that because it makes life a lot no? harder as a developer. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, there there have there have been some challenges with uh, with uh, getting things to fit on the older yeah, devices sure. because of the shorter screen, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. Hmm. It's true. I don't um, know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready for another large phone or small phone. You know. With what? With your six plus, you mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still. I really am happy I got the watch because because it certainly makes living with an iPhone six plus pleasant. You yes. know. You know, everything you say about it suggests to me that getting the 6 Plus might have been a mistake for you. Oh, it definitely was. I mean, the only the only reason I got it was because of the um, the split view, right? Hmm. So you, you mean, wanted and, to test on it is what you mean. Yeah, it's the only reason I bought that particular phone. I'm not, not very happy with the size at all. And when I see you guys running around with your 6s, I just, you know, I, I really miss... Uh, I think I made a mistake on that decision. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. In, in the... How long have we had it now? Six months? Yeah, not even, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Do you feel like you still need that 6 Plus? Well, you know, it has has usurped a lot of things that I used to do on on my iPads, for sure. Like, in terms of, like, you know, I will, I will go, it's my go-to device if I'm, if I'm going to be surfing the web or reading articles or reading PDFs and things like that. Um, You know, I tend to go to it more than I would my my iPad Air 2. Do you actually test on it? Yeah. In a way that you need the six plus to test on um honestly no not no. not yes that's the plan but but uh yeah, unfortunately, I'm talking I, have, about I, have other, I have other issues with my app development that that uh sort of preclude the iphone 6 plus and the 6 so right um i'm still I'm, i still i'm still getting rid of ios 6 code believe it or not okay uh yeah. one more question uh if you had the decision to make over again today what would you do if I had seen the devices at the time, I probably would have bought a six. Right. A six is much nicer than than uh, than the five and the five S in terms of size, but uh, yeah, the six plus is just too big. In fact, somebody just came out with a, a, a new screen protector that has some sort of technology uh, to to the left or right of the home button that um, helps you control the phone without having to reach up to the top of the, like, you know, kind of, sort of like, you know, how they have the, what do you call the double tap on the home button um, to make the screen drop down? He does, he's reachability. Oh, yes, reachability, yes. He's built, a, um, I guess, some sort of technology into the screen protector that goes on top of the device. I forget what it's called. We, we talked about it uh, yesterday. And um, 
he's he was looking for something like thirty thousand dollars to get this to get this thing off the ground, and he's got a, you know fifteen days to go on his Kickstarter, and he's already up to well over a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, I'd love to see the link to that. <laughs> you don't I'll have it yet. <laughs> I'll find it. It's it's handy. I have. I'll find it. Okay, great. Um, that would be weird. Yeah, it, it's kind of a kind of an interesting, but, but you know, it's again, it's like you know, solving a problem that we have, and the problem that we have is our phone is too big. Mm. Right. It's going to be interesting to see what Apple does with their next phone rev. With the rumors that we're hearing that they're coming out with one sooner than their normal annual release cycle suggests, um, we've also over the past year heard rumors about Apple experimenting with going back to a smaller sized phone. And even uh, you know, muggles on the street that I talk to about this, who muggles. yeah, who still uh, who still yearn for a smaller phone, people who have 4s and five phones, those size classes, mm-hmm. wishing that Apple would come out with a new six-class hardware, and, uh, and, but in that size. Yeah, I don't know. I've, so, I've been testing lately on you know, all the different size devices, and, and after using my iPhone 6 um, all the time and then going to a 4S, it's, it's painful. It really, it really is. is, especially with my <laughs> <laughs> rapidly failing eyes. <laughs> Old yeah, age. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you were saying the six? It's uh, you have a six. I have a six, six and right? I love the six. And and when I look yeah. when I go back and work and look at something on the four S, it's just insanely oh, small. Yeah. E- even the five. Is yeah, small. picking up that phone. Yeah. My upstairs phone is is a three GS. Oh wow. it or not? And so that's comical. Yeah. It's like it's like holding a postage stamp in your yeah. you're checking email on a postage yeah, stamp, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what else are we hearing about iOS nine? It's going to be mostly a. Uh, a uh, maintenance and bug fix release is one rumor, Woo-hoo! which would be nice. Yeah, very nice. I mean, they, there can't not be some feature updates, right. but right. Uh, focus on stability is obviously welcome. Yep. Uh, um, Beats integration, I think, is is due. Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think? Um, uh, the, well, no, I don't know about it. Uh, like, uh, what does oh, that mean? What does yeah, that mean? So, to, Apple, to Apple acquired Beats, uh, Doctor yeah, Dre, yeah. and, and they yeah, have yeah. a. A, uh, a music streaming service that was pretty popular before the acquisition. Oh, so right, right, right. So, right. and you can pay for it with Apple Pay, right? I'm sure you'll be able to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know where I'm going with that, Aaron? Eh? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, just like the service won't be available in Canada. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so you know, so as we all know, iTunes Radio is is less than perfect. Um, and or is it really? You mean it's a disappointment? Well, I tend to think so. Yeah. See, Apple's protecting us, Aaron. That's fantastic. Oh, you guys don't have iTunes Radio, even? <laughs> in Canada? Yeah, just the, the U.S., the U.K., and Australia. I think oh, are the only wow, countries that wow. have it. They ha- Australia has it? Australia has it. Wow, really? Yeah, so licensing bodies are a little more permissive than ours. So, this, Mark, there's this podcast where people talk about this kind of stuff. It's called More Than Just Code Podcast. Yeah, I've I'm heard of it. Cool. Who would listen to that crap? <laughs> I hear they have cool T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're a little dark, if you ask yeah. me. But okay, so Mark, what you're, what you're talking about with Beats integration is the Beats streaming the service. The streaming music service, yes. yes oh, okay. Yes. Okay. 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 And there's also a rumor that Ping is coming back as part of that. Oh, come on. Well, that's a rumor. It's a rumor I heard. Uh, I don't know what form that'll oh, be in, Lord. but uh, that's a rumor I heard. Yeah. Okay. Who knows? All right. Well, uh, let's just say I'm not terribly excited yeah. about that particular rumor. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, actually, what, I actually was using that for a little while. I don't know what happened to that. Nobody used it. You were the only one. And so <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah I switched over to Twitter, I think. Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. Right. So what do you guys think about, in terms of uh, the pain points in iOS 8 today, 
mm -hmm. that Apple should focus on in terms of bug fixes. As in, you want to list them off, or well, it, like what? What today? You know, given that we're on eight point three now, so we've had three sort of bug fix updates. Um, I, I would like to see you know, the the support in auto layout for the multiple width devices be a little bit better. Uh, so right now, if you're trying to to do something for you know, uh, you know, all three sizes, three twenty width, three seventy five width, and whatever the six plus yeah. is, it's it, to me it's still a little bit hacky. Uh, you know, for example, you try to do yeah. a, a a table view cell, and it just kind of doesn't always work right. Even though you set your constraints inside the cell, sometimes it forgets to resize the cell to to the different right. sizes. I've seen this happen. Um, yeah, I've seen yeah. That. Are you using are you using size classes in this case, Mark? Uh, or are you doing not even way? using size size classes for this. Just you know, just straight right. you know, portrait, uh, regular you know, everyday uh, uh, table view. You know. But what I'm saying though, are you using are you using like the uh, what is it the layout views kind of thing to change things up or like how, are you are you are you putting in using frames so, or something so, like that to no, change so, the sizes? So, yeah, so I use I use auto layout uh, within the cell. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, in particular, I've seen this in, in the header view, uh, which right. you can't use if you if you build a, a table view header uh, in Interface Builder, you can't use constraints to constrain the size of the header view itself. Uh, mm -hmm. Just like for a table view cell, you can constrain everything with respect to the content view of the cell, right? But but there's no way to set right. a constraint outside of the of the content view to the cell itself. So you're relying on the OS to resize the actual cell and therefore the content view of the cell inside. And this is the width and the this height. Is the, or, or? This is the width in particular I'm talking about. Yeah. The width, yeah, the width varies that, yeah. between the you know the, the three twenty points and, and three seventy five points on the iPhone six. And the yeah. six plus, I can remember the size of that one. But uh, so, so I've I've seen cases, classic case where say you want to uh, have a, a collection view, a two D grid in a collection view, where you want mm -hmm. the uh, the width of the cells to resize correctly on the three different devices and keep the same spacing. Mm -hmm. Well, right. that's actually harder than it sounds. Uh, you kind of have to you still have to sort of manually do that. At least that's the only way I found to do that. You have to manually. Um, use there's there's some method that says that's you know uh, suggested frame size or whatever it is for cell, uh, and you have to actually go in there and, and calculate that based on the on the the uh, the, the size the bounds of the, of the table of the collection view. At least that's the, mm -hmm. the, work, the way I found to do it. So, but that ought to work automatically, don't you think? Yeah, well, I was going to ask you too because because you're, you're hitting a nail on the head with one of the struggles I've been having too, and and. Is there a way to determine whether you're on a, a six or six plus, like outside of using size classes and auto layout stuff? Checking or? the checking the the width. Um, the width, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I still had some layout issues with some of our older apps that we're trying to support, yeah, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah so one one thing that that I that I struggle with a lot in in these in this case is that the the um, when you use these adaptive layout, the you know the, the square. Uh, scenes yeah. in the interface builder it doesn't actually mm -hmm. calculate or doesn't actually assign the 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 frame or the bounds of of your views until view did appear actually it doesn't there's right. there's view did layout subviews too you can do it in there but in view did load and in view will appear it's it has no idea what they're going to be so if you if you're trying to to calculate sizes of things based on how it'll appear after it appears 
you're kind of out of luck, as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, don't you use viewed layout subviews for that? Yeah, you can use viewed layout subviews, but sometimes you don't. Well, in, in some cases, I found where I don't want to use that because that gets called a lot. Yes, it and does. <laughs> and sometimes I'd like it just to be called once. You know, I just want to know this once. I want a size. I want to know the size of this thing just once and never have to calculate it again. So, yeah, I mean, it's not all the time, but there are cases where I've seen that. Isn't that the case where you could like use like a lazy loading kind of thing? Ask if do you know like have some value that stores what size it is. Run it once, and if it's there, run it. Yeah, I mean, you can always. Yeah, there's always cheats. I think of them as cheats, where you you know you look at the size of the window and stuff like that. The, yeah, mm-hmm. but I think auto layout should just handle all that stuff automatically. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's kind of what it's error thinks airdrop should work. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, but Mark's right too. I mean, we're, we're see we see all kinds of little uh, framework bugs, right? Like this yeah, is a class. Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah this yeah, is what we're yeah. talking about: framework bugs. And we'd like to see that you know most of them go away. And yep. I, and I'm sure you're right that that a lot of this stuff is going to go away with uh, iOS nine if they're focusing on this, doing a Snow Leopard style release of that. Yep. Um, you know, we've all run into little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you um, did you hear about the iPad Pro and? Um, the support that would be included in that or the way it was talked about actually was um, sort of alongside each other. They're not necessarily related to each other, but the idea of, of having a separate iPad OS, which mm-hmm. allowed certain, uh, you know, better features to take advantage of the size of the screen, uh, including split views uh, to allow you to run multiple apps at the same time. So this iPad Pro, is this the, 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 um, Larger iPad, the yeah, large, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's so what the rumor it was is. Talked it's about, about a, a while ago, right? Yeah, it's been it's been talked about for some time now. But there was a a more corroborating story brought out uh, on uh, Nine to Five Mac uh, by Mark Gurman, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess we can find the link and put that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's actually probably a week or two old. But at this point, it's looking like the iPad Pro, this 12-inch iPad, may be delayed for a while. But separately is the idea of having. Um, like I said, a separate iPad OS that has these uh, sort of more pro features that allows you to uh, scale and put side by side multiple apps. So this would be like for more more advanced apps, you think as well, like a sort of an I- a Photoshop or maybe even Xcode or something. Well, like no, that, I wouldn't say that. I would, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, if we're if we're all we're talking about here is the ability to resize apps and have multiple apps. Oh, on I the see screen, what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. So it yep. has no no implications about how complex the app is, and I, you know, I would suggest that. There's nothing about um, iOS development that limits the complexity of apps except for screen size, right? Um, yeah. I mean, we had com- complex apps on the Mac when it was a display smaller than what our iPhone 6s have today. So, um, Well, it was interesting just as a, as a just sort of random thought here. And, you know, first thing I thought of when I saw the size of the logic board on a on the new MacBook itself, the yeah. 12-inch guy, yeah, yeah. was it lends itself to being a, a, an OS in an iPad. Like or, a Mac sorry, OS. A log, logic board. Yeah, like like or, or yeah, like I mean, how close to having an uh, a something that's in between a MacBook and an iPad are we really? You know, it's just a question of finding the right form factor and operating system and input methodology yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and yeah. but I think Apple's been pretty clear about that. That um, uh, massive text input and manipulating things is a thing for computers, uh, right. uh, PCs, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and and things that you touch is for an iPad or an iPhone, um, and they they aren't they don't seem readily uh, willing to mix those two. Yeah, well, for what it's worth. Um, so, 
but I, if if they do make this move towards, if you will, complexifying the iPad interface, mm-hmm. a I'm all for it because uh, I think that Apple has not taken advantage of the iPod, iPad form factor. You know, I, and I've complained about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but b do they actually go ahead and do that? Because the biggest argument against doing it was complexity. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're 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 almost certainly going to be having to add some new style of interaction with the operating system. You know, like how do you activate uh, multitasking mode, if you want to call it that? You know, is it right. the double tap on the home button or is it going to be some kind of triple tap with the with the sweet wake switch Swipe held down? Swipe with ten fingers. Yeah, you know? something crazy. Like what's it going to be? <laughs> Your you know? elbow and five fingers, yeah. And uh, I think that's, you know, one of the, the big challenges that Apple would face in implementing something like that. And, of course, all the sandboxing requirements, the memory allocations and all that stuff you know yeah. like is it going to be supported on all the hardware like yeah. will you be able to do it on an ipad mini with an a5 and 256 megs of ram yeah well um, see the reason i ask about that is because i come from i come from a graphics background and a lot of people who are who are stayed in the graphic background now have products like the wacom Cintiq tablet where you know their monitor is their tablet right and it's connected to some desktop device whether it's a laptop or what have you but they're actually putting a stylus on the screen and drawing on the screen right? yes that's been around for many years exactly but so so and and you know you can use a stylus on on an ipad as well and i have all the sketching apps and all that kind of stuff on my ipads but so like i mean we're like you know short of having a keyboard and a, and a faster processor you know um you know, we're, we're that, you know, I, I have an iPad. I mean, I have a, um, a Mac Air, 11-inch Mac Air here, and it's literally the same size as my iPad. Yep. Other than the fact that it opens up and it's got a keyboard and a, you know, USB port, right? Yeah, and different operating systems. <laughs> yes, but that, but that's what I'm sort of saying. Like, you're sort of saying as we as we move up towards a big boy device, can we not put a big boy OS on it? Yes, I think Apple is going to say no. No, well, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, still think, I still think that at some point we're going to get the dual boot machine where you can run either Mac no, OS never. or iOS. Yeah, no, never. Apple's never, ever, ever going to do yeah, that. Right. Never. Ask me when. Ask me when I think. Nope. I think we had that in like never. 1992. <laughs> we had uh, we had the uh, card inside a 6100 that would boot Windows. Sure. Oh, for sure. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, and, and there Apple. was the Apple II card that went inside. I think it was an Apple II card that went inside the Color Classic. You know, there you no, go. No, it's, it's happened before. No, no, it's not going to happen. I mean, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I'd buy the hell out of that device. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, Apple would never do that. Okay, state your reasons, Mark. Come on, defend yourself. Well, it's a it's a larger uh, form factor. You know, twelve inches is is getting pretty big, uh, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I guess I would say, why not? Well, because it is a bastard of a computer, right? So today, in today, your proposal, yeah. but you know, in, yeah. you know, um, in the future, not too far future. It, yeah, okay, so what's it look like? So is it an like, iPad? Is like it an like iPad. a? It looks like, looks an, like iPad, an iPad, but it, but runs, it runs Mac, Mac OS. OS Okay, but you we, know, how do you interact plenty, with We've it? had plenty of, of uh, there was a uh, there was a thing called a Modbook where they took yeah, the old thirteen inch sure. and turned it into a touchscreen and, and yes. You know, yes. Frankenstein do a tablet computer, right? That's just it. It's a Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. So Apple would never ship something well, like that because where's the keyboard? Yeah. Where's the mouse? As, as much know? as I hate to say this, it all depends on how well the Surface does, the Surface Pro. 
if the Surface well, Pro I think 3, we've already got that answer. <laughs> no, the Surface Pro 3 is, is getting popular. Uh, you know, people like it, as much as I hate hmm. to admit it. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. believe that's the case. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll jump in on that one and say I think Surface Pro 3 went from, you know, the Surface, all the Surfaces, you know, Surface, Surface Pro, you know, the original and 2 were just like utter failures. Yeah. And now it's not a failure. Right. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> as enough. As far as yeah. I can tell, right? It's not like it's kind of neutral. It's not really like wow, they're really just flying off the shelves. But you can see a lot of you, you see them around. Um, a lot of business professionals, yeah. a lot of students using yep. them. Like there is a use case for that. Yeah. I don't know how big it is as a use case, but there, it's there. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, while we've been talking, I just did a little web search. On Engadget, there's a story. Microsoft Surface sales are on the upswing, once again, from April 23rd of this year. And uh, the word here is the company made $713 million from Surface sales last quarter, right. a 44% jump over the last year. But right. keep in mind, that was $713 million, which you know, sounds like a big number, but actually but not for Microsoft. is very, very sure. little. No, no, yeah. very yeah. little. Um, you know, Apple sold nine billion dollars worth of iPads during that same quarter. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I think Microsoft would have to do dramatically better than they are in order to turn Apple's head in that direction. But I, I you know, I agree with you, Mark, in the sense that if if the Surface line, if that concept did bear out, and and you know, they sold in the tens of millions of units, right. mm-hmm. then. Yeah, I agree that that would be sufficient uh, to get Apple to look at that, but I just don't see it happening. Hmm. Will, you know, that, I say that as someone that that does also find the Surface Pro compelling. Hmm. Like I find that interesting too. You know, the biggest problem with it is that it runs Windows, right? right? Do you know, hmm. I, I have to say though, I, I as just and I want to go somewhere else with this conversation too. But the, the I, yesterday I had lunch with a guy who actually handed handed me an older. Windows phone. I think it was running Windows seven or eight, maybe, or you know the Metro interface, whatever. Actually, it was pretty pretty snappy. It wasn't sluggish. It wasn't chunk clunky like Windows used to be. You know, it was actually, you know, it was a viable viable OS from what I could see. You yeah, know, I've had I a chance to play with one of those too, and they're 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 cool and different and interesting. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I don't know. I find them kind of limiting in a way as as well. Um, I. Sort of like a, a monoculture of an OS in a way. Well, it's kind of like Mac was back in the 90s, you know? Hmm. Uh, early 90s, that is. Well, that's interesting. Um, but I wanted to ask, and, and maybe Jaime might have an opinion on this, and it's totally off topic here, but but tomorrow is Google I.O. Do we have oh, any yeah. sort of ideas about what might might be sprung upon us from that camp? I mean, there's not much to spring. I think a lot of stuff is already known ahead of time, like, you know, Android M version right. M is coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of nice things. Everybody's talking about Android Pay as uh, an enhancement. Uh, not so much on top of Google Wallet, but sort of as a companion to Google Wallet. Right. Um, Good name, guys. Is that sort of a similar kind of thing to, to Apple Pay with the tie-in with credit card companies and that kind of stuff? Or is that what Google Wallet is already? Google Wallet, I think, hands is like the equivalent of passbook for the okay. iOS side right from right. my understanding and I, and I think Android pay is trying to add the payment side of things to ease you know the the friction that, that currently exists with Google wallet and presumably after learning um, its lesson right <laughs> in terms <laughs> of uh, designing something that mul- you know multiple parties could get in front of and destroy and made you know the the NFC payments that 
Android had for a very long time prior to iOS receiving it, pretty mm -hmm. much a non-factor in the world. Nobody cared about it. Right. Right. Like when we say nobody used it, we don't mean literally nobody. Sure, there was at least one person, yeah. at least one transaction, but that doesn't really matter. Um, Apple Pay came out and just like destroyed everything. Right. They just completely, truly did disrupt. Uh, as crazy of a word that is that I hate. Um, but Apple Pay isn't ubiquitous yet. I mean, like it's not in all the retailers have it now, or or I know of no, one but that like, doesn't. Right. But like all the ones that didn't want to get on board or couldn't get on board for example like home depot is suddenly hey we're, we're going to support apple pay we have right. to support apple pay sure. right so okay. it doesn't have to be a success and if you're like well it's everywhere it's like well that doesn't matter right like it's getting there you, you can't just overnight there, it's not like there's one world bank because say hey yeah it's, everybody has to support this sort of thing hmm. right i mean clearly apple pay is not in canada for some bizarre reason i don't know why there can't be that many banks in canada Right? Like, oh, how could that be? Just, just get to like the yeah. hundred some banks that are on Canada. Listen to you. There's only like three or four. How much Michael like, Sir can you buy with Apple Pay anyway? <laughs> yeah, you're right, Jaime. It would be a lot simpler uh, to implement here, but uh, well, it's happening. There, It is coming in the fall. Yeah, we're November, I think. Yeah. November, yeah, that sounds right. So, yeah. so we can buy uh, our moose kibble with uh, It really with does Apple take Pay. their sweet time. I just don't think uh, Apple gives Canada much uh, attention, you know, like, and frankly, who could blame them because there's there's only 30 million of us, right? It's mm. like California. So or, no, we're, I think we're like Rhode Island to them. No, well, California's population is about 30 million, is it not? Yeah, yeah I know, but, but from, from Apple's perspective, we're like Rhode Island. Okay. That's my analogy. If, if yeah. Rhode Island had 30 million people, right. Can't, they'd be Canada, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Rhode Island. Yeah. Anything else about Google I.O. before we jump into picks? I mean, not that I know. And by the time people listen to this episode, Google I.O. will have happened tomorrow. Yeah, we so. don't want to speculate because we get in trouble then. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So let's go around the table and see if we have any picks this week. And Aaron, do you have a pick? I do. It is an app that I have found enormously useful uh, for my day job in the last several weeks. Actually, a few months now I've been using this thing because I've been building against a, a, a web service mm -hmm. uh, in this iPad app that I'm working on. And it's a REST-based service. And so I've been using this thing called PAW. And I had never heard of it before, but the uh, Java developer building the web service pointed it out to me. And mm. <laughs> um, it is amazing. <laughs> this thing is fantastic. Um, really professional quality tool that lets you uh, create queries that you can use to hit a web service and get the response back. Uh, speaks JSON, um, allows you to uh, authorize via OAuth, dropping in a token and hitting the server, works over HTTP and HTTPS. Um, it, it just makes uh, testing your uh, your requests against uh, an API, an endpoint, so easy. It is unbelievable. And so mm. if you have any problems, you can actually export your requests um, to plain text and then fire it off to the web developer and say, what's going on here? Why am I getting this particular error? Mm -hmm. um, that actually sounds enormously useful. Is that is that an iOS app, a Mac app, or a... it's a Mac app? Yeah. What's the What's so, the full name? Paw, P A W. And it's at luckymarmot.com. It's actually on the show notes, Mark. Yeah, it's in there, and uh, you'll see a screenshot right there on the first screen. Nice overview. Um, basically, lays out exactly how it works and what it does. It's. I was I was actually shocked. I'd never heard of it before. 
It, so it's, it's a REST client, like it's for emulating the the communication with the API. Is that what you're saying? It, well, it's it's, it's a it's, like a, it's an HTTP client. Yeah, yeah. So it it allows you to send network requests to remote servers, and and so you see the raw data that you're sending out right, yeah, over yeah. HTTP, and you get the responses back, and you can format those responses or look at them. You can look at the headers, you can look at the JSON, or you can look at the raw data that comes back okay, over cool, HTTP. Right. So it's kind of um, like curl with a GUI, right? With a nice GUI. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's really. That's yeah. that's great. I wouldn't be surprised if it were all curl on the hook. Probably is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, actually, like, I don't think I ever looked at the website before in any detail, but it's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did, I did look at the site before we showed And it show. uh, really describes all the features, um, and I've been using these features uh, really hard in the last little while. It um, It is so professional, <laughs> this app. Uh, so well done and very easy to use, and it just, just works. It sounds super cool to be honest with you because you know I work with APIs all the time and you know you have to you know uh, echo the stuff out into the into the con- into the console and, oh. and Xcode to see what the hell's going on you know sort of thing right, right? yeah like some right. kind of animal like, yeah. um, filthy animal <laughs> yeah dirty filthy, filthy scummy animal, animal. exactly <laughs> making me sick so um, there's also a, I'm just noticing now as I'm looking at the site there's an uh, extensions available for Paw. So that you can generate, uh, looks like different kinds of requests hmm. based on the kind of API that you're hitting. So there's uh, templates here, or extensions rather, for um, for Objective C plus AF networking, uh, for okay. NSURL connection, NSURL session, for Rails, for Python. Weird, hmm. man. Here's a curl code generator. <laughs> but why would you need it when you're using Chrome? Right. So. Beautiful site, thirty dollars US, that's available a, on the Mac steal. App Store. That is a steal. Yeah, this is oh. exactly like you know when we were talking about. Um, sorry, I've got to go back and look at it in the notes here. Um, Michael Simmons on uh, the Release Notes podcast. Um, I'll bet you this is exactly what he has in mind. This is a professional tool. They charge real money for it, and um, you know I'll bet. I hope that the developer is doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, check it out. If you do any kind of work against a, we- a web service, mm-hmm. uh, this is an absolute I'm throwing steal. money at my screen. You pretty much have to. <laughs> so there you go. That's my pick. Very cool. neat. I'm definitely yeah. going to try this. Um, it has Four a 30 sold. day I've already downloaded it and installed and I'm running it right now. I'm going to try it out just to see if it fits into my workflow. Um, the amount of money, $30, is trivial for how oh, much. Yeah help that yeah. this can provide. Yeah. Um, I happen to use Postman. Um, it's a Chrome extension. That's, you know, it's okay. It's, yeah, it's I've used that. Does, that's, does sorry, job, hun, but that's this crap. Is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it certainly looks like crap compared to, to this. This this looks much better, especially with the way that handles the JSON stuff. Come on, um, they have a one-page scrolling website. That's super awesome. nice. And I will say um, the reason it would generate curl is because that's a pretty common way to generate documentation. Say, hey, this is the API that I have, and oh, by the way, this is a curl command you can run, just to make sure it's you know the API's fault and not your fault, and it's mm, almost always mm-hmm. your fault. I'm going to try installing an extension here and see what happens. So, so, you can you guys, so I have a question for you guys. I know you guys are the iOS on your teams, but do you also have companion web apps that work with the, with the products you work on? Like like web clients for people to like people off the street to use or like uh, offer up for instance uh, Jaime 
Sure. There is a uh, desktop and mobile web experience. It's a mm -hmm. little bit different than the apps, um, but it's there, complementary for the most part. And Aaron, you got, is your stuff that you're working on in your secret super lab there something similar? Or? Yeah, it does. Uh, there is a, a definitely a web component to it uh, where uh, large parts of the experience, it's a point of sale service, right? So yeah. um, large parts of the administration set up and reporting are done on the web. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But then, of course, the iPad client is for, uh, you know, working in the stores. So last question about Pi, would, your paw, sorry. Would you buy it directly from the author or would you buy it from the Mac App Store? I bought it from the Mac App Store. Uh, you know, like everybody's giving the App Store, Mac App Store grief, but mm -hmm. uh, for one, I, I, as a customer, really like to purchase from it. Right. Uh, you know, for all the reasons that, that, you know, the iOS App Store is a great thing. Hmm. You know, because it's your purchases are there forever. Um, you, it's easy to restore if you switch to a different Mac. Right. Um, it updates automatically. Mm -hmm. um, but what about the ethical quandary? You're taking 30% out of that person's hands. Well, that's his choice. Yeah, they don't have to He's put offering it there for sale. on the App Store. <laughs> yeah, he actually does sell it directly, too. So if you're, if you're yeah, of a mind. Yeah, that's what at the bottom of the, bottom of the screen, yeah. yeah. Now, you it, can buy if it you were smart, you'd give a 10% discount for buying it directly through him. Indeed. Yeah, but he might get in trouble from Apple for that, oh, wouldn't he? Maybe. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to do really? that. Yeah. Oh, well, wait, no, I'm sure you can. Yeah. Well, because, the fantastic, yeah. guy, fantastic guy, he sells his stuff directly, right? We talked about him at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. No, you can, you can definitely offer different prices for the App Store uh, because we've seen cases where, um, like, a, a uh, let me think, what was it? Uh, there are various uh, in-app purchases you can make, you know, to buy a subscription to a service, for example, mm -hmm. and it's more expensive on the App Store than it is when you buy it from their site. Oh, really? Uh, mm -hmm. To cover, account for that 30%. Oh, really? True hmm. story. So uh, something like uh, uh, the NFL, uh, you know, I, this is an example that I know about for sure. Uh, they have their Sunday ticket or something like that. It's a season pass thing mm -hmm. that you can buy through the App Store or directly from them, and it's more expensive on the App Store. Cool. So, uh, anyway, check out PAW. Fantastic. If you do any development work. I, I actually, you know, have been using it so long, I... I should have mentioned it ages ago and, and haven't because oh, I just assumed I had already. Oh, and I was like, so I actually did a search of our website tonight <laughs> and uh, it did not come up. So now it will. How about that? No, you haven't mentioned it before. No. Got all four of us or five, three of us excited about yeah. it. If Mac was here, he'd be excited too. Alrighty. Uh, Jaime, do you have a pick? I do. And it is also an app. It's okay. an iOS app. It's called Carbo. Uh, -huh. uh it's got a ridiculous name carbo handwriting in the digital age <laughs> by creaseed sprl so it'll be in the show notes forget the name it's a pretty cool app so the whole idea about it is that you can take things that you've hand drawn for example you know they they show actual drawings i think for me i'm definitely going to be using this more for things for that i list. put on a whiteboard or notes in my <laughs> notebook yeah where i might draw a diagram kind of fleshing out ideas and then I really want something that is a little bit of a nicer cleaned up version cool. of what that is. But I, like I don't that. want Aaron, to Aaron it has a blueprint mode. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Spoiler alert, it's got a blueprint mode. So it, it does some pretty cool um, edge detection image processing type things where mm -hmm. um, 
It can help you change the skew. So if you didn't take the picture of the whiteboard or the book or whatever, you know, exactly straight on, it can change the angles of that. You can crop things out. Those are pretty basic. The hmm. uh, line detection is super good and it turns it into um, almost like a Bezier curve kind of thing is what they, or Bezier path is what they must be doing to hmm. have something that's so, you know, almost infinitely scalable as far as I can tell where, um, is taking the line drawings, you can clean them up with a, uh, a little slider to make things uh, a little bit darker, a little bit less dark, uh, clean out the grit and everything that you might normally get from turning something into a pure black and white kind of experience. Sure. And then they've got a real nice um, magic lasso scrubber kind of mode where you can say, you know what, this bit of text really belongs over here. I hadn't thought about it at the time. Well, that's great. Just scrub over it like as if you were rubbing a marker or a highlighter over that part of the image it'll sort of magic select that rectangle and let you move it around wherever you want mm -hmm. and apparently wow. they've also got uh, dropbox evernote and icloud integration but i i just downloaded and tried out this app last night so i haven't tried that piece cool but it's really really cool wicked cool optical image processing stuff and seems like a handy tool mm-hmm Interesting. Yeah, it's got that whole sort of auto trace stuff that uh, we used to have back in the early days of Adobe products. You know, for and that's how they would. You know, if you wanted to, you could you could do a hand drawing and you could you could uh, do an like what's called an auto trace kind of thing, and it would go around and turn your your line drawings into into vector objects, and then you could scale them up. Yeah, it does seem to be doing something like that because you you can scale these things up, so it, it must be changing it to a vector type format. Cool, and it's and it's a universal app as well, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Have you have you just used it on your iPhone or just on the iPhone? I haven't right. tried it on the iPad. Right, right. Mind you, you have the phablet phone, right? Yeah, yeah. The the Mega <laughs> Six Plus. So your mileage may vary if you're still running a 4S. <laughs> God, I'll bet. Without the optical camera, exactly. Cool. Alrighty, well, um, so my pick this week is, for those of you who may or may not be interested in doing WatchKit stuff, um, I actually finally got around to going through the WatchKit by Tutorials book from the RayWonderlich.com group. Um, and Greg, actually, Greg Keo, one of our co-hosts, was actually one of the final pass editors on this, this book. Um, and it's actually pretty good. It, it um, goes... Don't sound too surprised, Jim. Well, it's a... <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's a very quick, it's a quick and easy read. I mean, like, it's very, very good. The way it's written by Ryan Nystrom, again, who we talked about during our NS um, North conference. Um, but it, it's a very, it's a very quick read. If, you know, you can scan, skim through it really quickly. It gives a lot of information on laying out watch uh, kit applications and some, some sort of uh, pro tips behind it. You know, they put, put a lot of thought. In it. There's quite, quite a few uh, authors who were involved in this writing this book. Um, and it, it has a little recipe uh, uh, metaphor that they use in, in building the app and going through the different chapters. And, you know, I kind of I, I have a few ideas for WatchKit app. And, you know, and I thought, well, let me just take a look at this book and, and uh, go through it. And I think it probably took me maybe a, a full day, maybe half or three quarters of a day to kind of go through the exercises and work through. But it gave me a better foundation in terms of how to lay out my watch uh, app and, and what kind of decisions I might make in, in terms of whether I want to use a page view or a navigation type view, whether I want to do horizontal tables or 
uh, vertical tables and you know laying things out in groups all the kind of stuff that you need to know uh, about working with WatchKit. very very informative book um, and yeah, so that's the uh, Watch Kit by Tutorials book. And, and one of the nice things about RayWinderlich.com, as an author, I can tell you it's a pain in the ass, but um, mm. we were tasked with keeping the, the code up to date. So it's literally just been updated uh, at the beginning of the, mo- beginning of the month of May to coincide with, with 1.2. So you're not going to be downloading, a, buying a book or, or getting a PDF and then not having access to the latest version of the code. Because one of the things we do as we go th- as, as they make changes to Swift, we've gone through our tutorials and we also go through our books and update them all, update all the code. So you're not going to be surprised with trying to figure out how your, your, what you, the, the book you bought is, has broken code in it. So it's kind of cool. WatchKit is the framework for the projected apps running from a phone. Right. So when WWC happens and we get native apps, mm-hmm. is that going to be WatchKit or will that be something different? We're, we were talking about that actually today and, and uh, we think it's going to be slightly different. And so because the question we were saying was, well, what happens to this book? What happens to the apps we've written already or we may be in the process of writing between Indeed. now and, and next week, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so and and given that my 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 opinion is that given that you are not going to be seeing native watch kits apps on the store until sometime in the fall, that doesn't stop what we're doing now. But it does sort of raise an interesting question because, what, especially if the performance continues to suffer the way it does, right? Between having all the resources on the on your phone and then having to send them over Bluetooth to the to the um, the watch, uh, you know, because basically that's your basically your view, right? Um, it's an interesting question. I kind—I of, was kind of mulling over in my head today. Is WatchKit dash code? You know, remember when, right. when yes, in yes. 2007 we had dash code, and you know you could write apps in dash code. You could write apps in, in Apple Script, and you know have them uh, converted into into uh, working apps on Xcode back in the early days. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting debate. I don't, I don't know. I, I think that there will be a place for companion apps that go with your, like, you know, you'll still have the Overcast, you know, watch app. You'll still have the Twitter client on the watch. Hopefully it'll be better than the current Twitter client. Twitter people, I hope you're listening. Um, you know, things like LinkedIn and Facebook and all the kind of stuff that people go to on a regular basis. Where I, I'm hoping that, that those, those kind of things will still be accessible through some sort of companion app, right? Does that need to be a native app? I don't know. I mean, you know, but then a standalone thing like a game or, uh, you know, uh, maybe a how to get home from work kind of app, you know, something you might, you know, b- make that specifically runs on the watch by itself. Um, that's, that's a different market if you think about it, you know? I don't know. Like, to my mind, when I think about WatchKit, I think of it as an incredibly compromised app yeah. platform. Yes. And like i i don't know if there will ever be an advantage to writing watchkit versus native whatever that is do you think is. it'll get sherlocked at all or do you think it's going to go the way of dash code or well yeah yeah more more dash coded than sherlocked you know because i don't know <laughs> anyway uh yeah i don't i don't know see that's just it is it i i don't know if if i'm actually uh creating a false distinction in this case yeah, it does raise a question. Like, why would you even bother to study? If, knowing now that we that, that there's something going to be previewed at, at WWDC, knowing that that's coming, why would you even bother to learn WatchKit, right? Exactly. That's that's sort of what I'm worried yeah, about. Yeah. You know, like I, I was just, you know, as you were talking there, Tim, I was thinking, yeah, I should totally pick that up. And then I was thinking, yeah. oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be even relevant uh, in two weeks? 
Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's. Uh, I think that um, it's a good. That's a really good question, you know. And and uh, I don't know. What, I don't know that we know the answer to that. What do you think, Harmy? I think I would wait the two weeks and see what happens. <laughs> honestly, like I know it sounds real bad for like. You okay, know, then my like, hey, I, I, I have so I bought my own <laughs> copy of of Watch Good by Tutorials, right? Did you? Yeah. Um, and it's great. So I think I've had the PDF for a while, but I I've just got the print version. Yeah. Um, within a month, I, I can't remember exactly when this came. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I think my advice to people would be like, you might as well just wait just a couple weeks because it it really won't hurt anything, right? It's not as if those two weeks was, oh my god, like I could have gotten the one own and truly great app that would have totally made me a millionaire, and now I missed my opportunity. Well, what are the what are the downsides to waiting two weeks? If you wait two weeks and it turns out that the current watch kit is pretty much you know, dead and everything is watch OS native for mm-hmm, lack of mm-hmm, a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, you save yourself some time and money, uh, especially the time, right. For, for learning how watch kit works today. Uh, if Apple comes out in two weeks and says, guess what? Here are the advantages to watch kit over watch OS native. And when you should choose one over the other, it's like, great. Now you have a better idea of what both platforms provide and you can decide for yourself how you want to invest your time and money. Hmm. Yeah, that's sort of what I wonder if if there is going to be some kind of advantage to doing WatchKit when all this shakes out. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a great question. Like I said, it literally, like you know, we the announcement came out this afternoon when it kind of hit the hit the airwaves, right? Um, with the the blog post that came out, and we were we were discussing that same thing in our, in our WatchKit Slack group, right? So I actually didn't look at the uh, five minute WatchKit see what they thought, but. Um, that's another Slack group that, that co- focuses on watch development. Of course. Run by um, Brian Gillum. Brian Gillum, friend of the show, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, hmm. Okay, well, we're going to find out. That's the best part. And uh, it's one of the things that we, we get to look forward to with DubDub coming up. Yeah, yeah. Pretty exciting. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, every year Apple unfailingly throws a big monkey wrench into everybody's lives in terms of what they bring out, right? So Well, we wouldn't be here and loving every minute of it if it weren't for them. That's true. That's true. That is true. Uh, Aaron, if people wanted to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? On Twitter, at Aaron Vay, or at my soon-to-be-launched at any day now. Uh, by any day, I mean week. Um, MagpieVideo.com. <laughs> Okay, and and there's no no update on that at all. We're oh just... yes, there is. Uh, oh. I- iOS has been approved. iOS has been approved. All right, yeah. so we're preparing for, the, preparing for the store, or, or no? It's a pending developer release right now. Oh, are you going to release both at the same time and have a big yeah. party and all that kind of stuff? Well, or? there won't be a party. Come on, it's me. But um, <laughs> the, I'm waiting for the Mac OS X version to be approved, and then I'd like to do some promotional activity. So yeah, um, I'll be uh, giving copies of it to certain members of the technology press cool uh and hoping that they will take a look at it and be there on lunch day that sort of thing so cool. uh there will be still time and i i still have my, my promo video isn't done yet it's close but mm-hmm. um that thing is not done yet cool maybe quick question here given our further earlier discussion about paw are you going to be available just in the mac app store or are you also going to have a download available um at your website uh, it's only going to be Mac App Store, and that is because of CloudKit. Uh, my app uses it, and oh right, it was has to be through yeah. the Mac App okay. Store. Yep. Hmm. There you go. Makes sense. 
Cool. And is is there with if you're using CloudKit, are you going to be able to sync between the iOS and the Mac, or is it? Yeah, that's the whole point of CloudKit. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. the whole point. Yeah, so you're like creating an application group or whatever kind of thing. Right? No, it's not. It's not. It's just uh, using CloudKit. So it's through iCloud. This is one of the headline features of Magpie. It's that right. you can save on any device and play it on any device, uh, right, any different right. device. And your play position is actually saved as well. So whenever oh, you cool. stop watching on a Mac, you can pick it up at the same spot on your iPad. Hmm. It's pretty sweet, man. It's That's the future. Pretty, it's pretty rocking. That yep. sounds cool. Yeah, I'd, well, I'd almost think about buying that. I'm kidding. You won't have to. I'm going to send you a copy. <laughs> Likewise. Maybe you should well, have a T-shirt press. that icon that you have. Yeah, exactly. maybe I and will. <laughs> purple shirt, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi, man. If people want to find you on the interweb, where would they find you? On Twitter as at devwithahair and devwithahair.com. So, Mark, if people want to find you on the interweb, interwebs, where would they look? I'm at markr at smapsoft.com. All righty, then. So I guess that's it. We'll say goodbye until next week. All right. Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar amount. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. Yeah, but maybe we have an accidental sports podcast. No. <laughs> no sports. What if we talk about sports apps on the iPhone? Mm. Uh, we do. We talk yeah. about MLB at bat all the time, right? And yeah, we've mentioned it. And yeah, yeah. one of our items today is from Robin Senior. We're going to talk about the score app obliquely. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was going to say I do have to drop off unless we're going to be really quick with these other picks. Uh, your choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no promises, Mark. Okay, go have a, have a beer. Right, I will do one. Do that. I'll have one for Oh, you. by the way, yeah. you know there's a new Yes yes, uh, yes compilation coming out. It's really good. So Check I have out. tickets for the tour, and you know that Chris Squire is uh, in the hospital. He's sick. Something bad. Something anyway, bad. They, yeah. just, they just released, sorry guys, they just released a seven-disc um, recording from 1972, which was just before they did Yes songs. Mm. And they, 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 the sample thing they had was uh, them playing Roundabout at Maple Leaf Gardens here in Toronto, uh-huh. and it, and the sound of that is phenomenal. If it's and, and you know if you're into yes, apparently it's it's a great set to get. Anyway, uh-huh. there yeah. you go. Just yeah. So out. anyway, Chris Squire's not on the tour, which is going to be. He's not coming in out. He's too sick. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever seen a yes without, without Chris, Chris yeah, Squire. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Huge.